What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week number nine of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019-2020 NFL regular season, as well as postseason, and we're coming off of a successful week of picking week eight not quite as much as maybe we wanted to in one aspect of the betting picks but overall i will certainly take that week that we just had picking the games in week eight when 11 and four straight up never a bad week as we've said many many times on this show when you get over double digits or at double digits in terms of the game straight up you've been doing something right 74 46 and one picking the games straight up this season and for the second week in a row both sides of the betting picks were at or above 500 which is excellent given how we started the year Against the spread, only 8-7, and seven, and that's the area where I kind of felt lacking a little bit. And I mean, look, Pittsburgh almost covered last night, but almost doesn't count in this game. 8-7 and seven against the spread means we are 55-65-1 against the spread with just one week to go before I may potentially have to uh, face my punishment. But the good news, on the over-unders, we went 11-4 and four on the totals last week. We are above 500 over under, I think for the first time this season, or maybe only the second, at 60, 59, and two pushes on the totals. So we've definitely done work over the last few weeks to get back over 500. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks from last week, and I think this might be the first time this season that I can say this, I actually swept these four picks straight up. I had the Rams beating Cincy, they did so 24-10. I had the Patriots beating Cleveland, they did so 27-13. I had the Saints defeating the Cardinals, they did so 31-9. And I had the Steelers beating the Dolphins. Looked a little hairy there for a little bit, like that whole first half last night, but Pittsburgh turned it on in the second half, won that game 20 27 to 14 so 4 and 0 straight up in the platinum gold silver and bronze and against the spread and on the over unders i broke even at two and two i got my platinum against the spread play with the rams covering minus 13 and my gold against the spread play which was the patriots covering minus 10 and a half i got my total uh, my silver total uh, under 48 points in saints and cardinals they only get to 40 and got my bronze total as well under 43 points points in Pittsburgh, Miami, they only get to 41. Taking a look at the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools for this year. In the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I sit right in the meaty part of the curve, 14th out of 37 people in that pool, 671 out of 978 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 69%, and it's pretty darn close to what our typical championship clip is, which is at about 70%. In week eight, had an excellent week, brought in 105 out of 120 possible confidence points so I did get four games wrong but I only lost a combined 15 points on those four games that was a clip of 88 percent shout out to our week eight co-winners and this doesn't happen a ton in this pool and this one was incredible uh shit out of luck and leblazejil that's what we're gonna call you both went 14 and one last week and in the one game they lost, they only lost a single confidence point. So 14 and 1 with 119 out of 120 possible confidence points. I didn't think we'd see a tie that looked quite like that. But pretty incredible that both of their losses was only the single point. That's a 99% clip from week 8. Shit out of luck and Leblazgel. I'm never going to pronounce it the same way twice. They co-win week eight. Justin V remains our overall leader at 78, 42, and one on the season. 721 out of 978 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 74%, and Justin V still leads the way. In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pool, I sit still in a tie for 13th out of 36 people in that pool with my 74 correct straight-up picks out of the 121 games that have been played so far this season. That's a clip of 61%. That's where we'd like our against-the-spread number to be, but look, we've had to fight all season to get right back here, so we'll take what we can get. Brought in 11 of the 15 games straight up last week. That's a clip of 73%, and we're happy with that. Four teams 
tied with a 14-1 record last week. So I won't mention all the names, but the top four teams in the pool all went 14-1 and one last week. That's a 93% clip picking the games straight up. And all four of them co-tie for the Week 8 victory. West Coast Martin remains our overall leader in the official YouTube Progs pool. 81 correct straight-up picks out of the 121 games played this season. That's a 67% clip. So shout-out to Shit Outta Luck, LeBlasjul, and the four teams that tied at 14-1 and one for winning Week 8, and Justin V and West Coast Martin for remaining our overall leaders in the pools. Taking a peek into Fantasy Corner to see how my eight fantasy football teams did in week eight action. I guess that's a champagne week in some weird ways. I only went five and three, so we've certainly had better fantasy weeks than that this season. In my dynasty pools, though, was really, really interesting. One pool was not remotely competitive, and the other one took a Monday Night Miracle from a defensive lineman in order for me to pick up the win. And that was in my pool, the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League. I picked up the win against my friend Steven. Max Maniacs is the name of his team. And it took a Cameron Hayward sack in the fourth quarter for me to win that matchup by like a single point, I believe it was. That moves me to six and two. I'm in third place in that pool and I'm feeling real good about it. In the uh, NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League, that was the matchup that was not close. Geo absolutely served me my lunch in that matchup. I think he beat me by close to 30 points. That moves me down to 7-1 and one and drops me all the way to third place. And that's how competitive this pool is. There are no longer any other undefeated teams. I have Week 9 matchups coming up against Tim's crazy team in the Professionals League. And uh, a team that is only a couple of emojis. Uh, so I'm just going to call him Two Tight End Man. I uh, got a matchup against him in week nine as well in the Progs League. Those are both projected wins for me right now, but obviously coming off a five and three week and with a pretty deadly bye week this week, I got a lot of work to do. So, Geo and Steven, thank you so much for the matchups from last week. And Tim and Two Tight End Man, let's go. And I'll take this opportunity, as I always do, to remind you that if you go to the description of the video on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and there's a lot of you. I'm getting more podcast listens this season than I have any other season that it's been a podcast. So, hey, shout out to the podcast crew. You can go to the description of either of those files and you can find all of my results from last week, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week nine in the NFL, information on joining the Bridgewater's Finest or official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick'em pools. It is never too late to join the pools. I know I say it every week, but it is literally never too late. Put your picks up head to head against mine. If you happen to win a week, get yourself shouted out on the show. You can find information on joining the NFL YouTube Prognosticators Facebook page. And you can find information on my great friends and sponsors at Nerd Tees. Ladies and gentlemen, when I woke up this morning, I, I felt really sore. I don't know if it was the way that I slept or what it was, but my left shoulder is killing me. The only thing that takes my mind off of this left shoulder is the delicious, delicious cup of tea that I'm sipping on from nerdtees.ca as I record this episode. Nerdtees.ca, use that promo code BWFINEST. You're going to save yourself 15% at checkout. You're going to get your free shipping on any order over 75 bucks if you're in Canada. And if you're in the U.S., two clicks of a button, everything is in U.S. dollars for you, and you get an excellent conversion rate. Today's blend is cookie dough. I wanted some comfort food after injuring my shoulder by sleeping somehow. So, you know what? A cup of tea that tastes like cookie dough, that's the next best thing. I will certainly take it. Nerdtease.ca, use the promo code, save the money. Get the free shipping, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. It is still not too late for Christmas. You can do it at nerdtease.ca. Just a 14-game slate in the NFL this week, including another London game, which is where we'll start talking about the games. But of note, my rule of four, which has been ironclad, has been broken two straight weeks. The last two weeks, only a combined six betting underdogs have won their games straight up three and three over the last two weeks. And uh, that's, that's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen 
two consecutive weeks of the rule of four breaking. I don't expect it's going to happen three in a row, but with that said, let's talk about the games. So as I mentioned, we're going to kick off the week traveling across the pond to London. I believe this game is in Wembley Stadium. The Jacksonville Jaguars serving as the home team here, playing host, quote-unquote, to the Houston Texans. And this is a battle of the AFC South. Right now, the Houston Texans at 5-3 and three in the division. Jacksonville, even money at 4-4. Four and four. Houston, their offense clicking really, really well. 212 points in eight games. So they're playing quite well. The defense, you'd like to see them play a little bit better. That's going to be a problem given what happened to a prominent member of their defense from last week. Both of these teams come in having won last week. Jacksonville actually has won back-to-back -back games. Both teams have won three of their last five. I mean, both of these teams had very winnable games at home last week. Jacksonville handled the New York Jets, basically doubled them up 29 to 15. Houston had some problems with the Oakland Raiders, only winning that game by three, 27-24. Both teams already have four wins against AFC opponents this season, and each of them are currently sitting on one single division win. So this is going to be a tight matchup, especially given that it's being played on a neutral field. Texans come into this game with the number four total offense in football, as well as a top 10 scoring offense. They currently sit at number nine. Jacksonville, to their credit, they've got a top 10 total offense as well. They're just sitting there at number 10, but look, top 10 is top 10. As I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, we got an injury, a major injury concern for the Houston Texans, but there's injury issues on both sides. Starting with Houston, it's it's J.J. Watt, and once again, J.J. Watt is going to have an injury-shortened season. I legitimately think this guy is one of the greatest to ever do it. I think he is a Hall of Famer, but man, the injuries have just... What could his numbers look like had it not been for these injuries that he suffered? Torn pectoral muscle in the game last week against Oakland. He's got surgery upcoming. I think that might be happening today. He has been removed for the season. He's done for the year, but should be ready for like mini camps and OTAs for next season. But that's a huge blow to that Texans pass rush. On Jacksonville's side, an offensive concern, D.D. Westbrook re-aggravating a neck and shoulder injury that he came into last week's game with. His status for this week is uncertain. He's been one of the top targets, especially since Gardner Minshew has taken over at the quarterback position. So if they go into this game minus D.D. Westbrook, the top 10 total offense might struggle a little bit to move the ball the way they normally do. The Texans have won three straight head-to-head -head matchups here, given that it's a division matchup, know each other very well. But Jacksonville, of note, have covered four of the last six of these against the spread. They've also had three straight games go under on totals around like 39 to 43, somewhere in that range. Game on a neutral field, I think I'm going to skew for the team that I legitimately think is the better team. Both of these teams have experience playing overseas. But I just think Houston's the better football team top to bottom. I think they have the most dynamic playmaker on either side of the ball in DeAndre Hopkins. So I'm going to take Houston here, even though they're technically the quote-unquote road team. I'm going to take the Texans against Jacksonville in London. Houston beats the Jags. On the line, Houston are two and a half point favorites in this game on a neutral field. I like them to win. It's a small price to pay. I'm going to lay those two and a half points, take the Texans, minus 2.5. Totaling the game set at 47 points, but I actually capped this thing somewhere around a mid-50. So, uh, you know what? It is going against the trend of the three straight unders and, and, and everything, but I do think this game winds up being a little bit of a shootout, actually. So I'm going to go over on this one. Let's go over 47 points in Houston-Jacksonville. Again, realizing I'm kind of going against the trend. Let's go Texans 29, Jags 26. Let's go to Kansas City now where the Chiefs are going to play host to a Minnesota Vikings team that's going to come into this game on the long week, having played on Thursday. The Chiefs minus Patrick Mahomes dropped a seven-point decision at home against Green Bay last week, 31-24. to That was an excellent offensive performance from the Packers. Kansas City, you could see the notable difference between Patrick Mahomes and basically anybody else, although Tyreek Hill had himself a heck of a game. 
The Vikings handled their business, beating the Redskins 19-9 on Thursday evening. No real surprises there, especially given the game was in Minnesota. Chiefs still have what amounts to a two-game buffer in the AFC West at 5-3. and three. Raiders are behind them, but they're at 3-4, and four, and no other team in this division has scored more points than they've allowed defensively. The Chargers are even money at 157 each, but... I don't think the Chiefs are sweating any of the teams, right now at least, that are behind them in this division. Meanwhile, the Vikings the Vikings have to keep winning. They have to keep winning to keep up with Green Bay. Minnesota at 6-2, Green Bay still at 7-1. So that is very, very close. And both of these teams, both Green Bay and Minnesota, have won their last four straight. The way I look at this matchup, I see one team that should have much a much easier time moving the football than the other team will. And that team's the Minnesota Vikings. They're the number three total offense in football. They're also a top 10 scoring offense at number 10. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have a bottom 10 total defense. They're still only at number 24 in the league in terms of total defense. Not doing a great job stopping people moving the ball. And that doesn't bode well against a top three total offense. The Chiefs, no slouches in their own right. They're, the, they're a top five total offense at exactly number five and a number four scoring offense. Now, of course, the vast majority of that has come with Patrick Mahomes, but they're going up against the top five total defense here in Minnesota. Even though the game's in Kansas City, I, I, there's one defense on this football field that I trust, and it's the Vikings, and that's the way I'm going to have to skew in this one where the offenses are relatively similar. I would even give the edge minus Patrick Mahomes, I'd still give the edge to the Minnesota Vikings. So we're going to have to go Minnesota in this one. Let's take the Vikes on the road in Kansas City. On the line, Chiefs are two and a half point dogs at home. Uh, I like Minnesota to win. Once again, like the previous game, relatively small price to pay. We're going to lay those two and a half points and we're going to take the Vikings minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 49 points. Again, like the last game, I have this capped somewhere in the mid-50 range. I'm relatively comfortable with that. So I think we've got to go over on this number two. We're going to go over 49 points in Kansas City, Minnesota. Let's go Vikings 32, Chiefs 24. Let's go to Miami now, Battle of the Basement Dwellers in the AFC East. The Dolphins coming off the short week, off of that loss last night on Monday Night Football to Pittsburgh. They're going to play host to the New York Jets. Now the Jets are on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. They lost last week. Boy, it, it, it's, it's funny because like in a game that I think holds so little interest in the grand scheme of the NFL, it's not the easiest game to pick. Look, these two teams have won a combined one game this season. Jets are 1-6, Dolphins are 0-7. Jets have a significantly better scoring defense, but neither one of these offenses is really putting up many points. And at the very least, we did see with the Dolphins last night with Ryan Fitzpatrick, they can at least put up some points. Not only are these the two worst scoring offenses in the NFL, they are the two worst total offenses in the NFL so don't expect to see a lot of fireworks in this football game but of note the Dolphins have won three straight head-to-head -head matchups and have won three straight in Miami with four covers and a push in the last six against the spread so Miami's betting picks have looked really really good in this head-to-head -head matchup over the last that's basically three years We've also had three of the last four head-to-head -head matchups go under on totals that are relatively similar to this one, so I'm willing to bet that you can guess where I'm going. In a battle of two really bad teams, might as well take the underdog, and especially where the underdog is at home. I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins to get their first win of the season. Let's take Miami, even though they're on the short week, to beat the Jets, who are on back-to-back -back road games. Look, nobody wins in a matchup like this. The fans don't even win, but one of the teams has to, and I'm going to take the Dolphins. On the line, the Dolphins are five-point dogs at home, and I don't think that's justified one little bit. I like them to win, so I'm taking those five points. Even if you don't like them to win, that's a hedge all day long. Total in the game is set at 41. I don't have this game cracking 30 because neither one of these offenses can score very much. So we are going to happily lay up and say under 41 points in Jets-Dolphins. Let's take Miami 14, Jets 13. Let's go to Philadelphia now where the Eagles are going to play host to the Chicago Bears. 
Philly was a winner last week. A mirror score, 31-13 over Buffalo in Buffalo. That was one of the more surprising outcomes for any game last week. Philly definitely flexing some muscle on a really, really good defense. Meanwhile, you know, three straight losses for the Chicago Bears, even though they are a really good defense, man, that offense is letting them down. How bad are they letting them down? Chicago is the fifth worst total offense in football. They are also a bottom 10 scoring offense, them being number 27 in the NFL in terms of points on the board. Now, they've mitigated that at least a little bit by having that top 10 total defense. Like I mentioned, they're still number seven in terms of total defense. So it will be more difficult for Philly to move the ball. But looking at what Philly just did on the road to a better defense than the Chicago Bears, I find it very hard not to pick the Eagles in this game, especially where I don't know what I'm going to get from the Bears on the offensive side. The Eagles are kind of middle of the road in almost everything. They're middle of the road in most offensive categories, middle of the road in most defensive categories. So if you look at the Eagles as like for more or less, for better or worse, kind of a baseline of NFL teams right now, at least by the numbers, I can't trust this Bears offense, especially on the road. I can't trust them to put up enough points to beat that baseline team. I'm going to take the Eagles here, especially on the tails of, like I said, a pretty good performance. Let's take Philadelphia at home to beat Chicago. On the line, Philly is laying five points as the home favorite. This is kind of a coin flip for me because five, it's a big number. You'd need almost a full touchdown to cover it. But I do think that's kind of the difference, certainly on the offensive side, between these two football teams. So I think I'm actually going to lay those points. I'm going to take Philly minus five at home. Total in the game set at 43 points. I don't have this game touching 40. I think it's a mid-30-ish type game. So I'm going to take the under on that one once again. We're going to go under 43 points in Philly, Chicago. Let's take Eagles 20, Bears 14. Let's go to Pittsburgh now. Steelers get to stay home coming off of the win last night on Monday Night Football, but they are coming in on the short week, playing host to the Indianapolis Colts, who have some injury issues. Also, stop me if you've heard that one before, the Colts having injury issues. Look, Colts are leading their division right now. They're at 5-2. and two. Texans are at 5-3, and three, so they only have that lead based on the Texans having played one extra game. But the Colts have won three straight football games, and I get the distinct feeling that this is a, like, this is a team of, of grown-ups. And when I say that, it's got nothing to do with age, but it's got everything to do with maturity and poise and preparation. And this Colts team just strikes me as one of the better teams in the a certainly in the AFC in those terms so like when we're talking about being prepared playing solid football you know next man up mentality the, all the things that like the New England Patriots have have made their trademark I think the Indianapolis Colts have many of those things as well Jacoby Brissett has been very impressive to me in in a role that he never expected that he was going to have to face I really like this Colts team at 5-2. and two. Even after that game last night where they put up the 27 points, the Steelers still one of the worst total offenses in football this season. But as we saw in the latter part of that football game, that Steelers pass rush can be fantastic. And Indy may be going into this game without one of their better pass rushers. Defensive tackle Danico Autry had a stinger last week, left the game last week. His status uncertain for this matchup this week. And as we saw last night as well, if you put pressure on Mason Rudolph or if it happens to be Duck Hodges and the 21st and a half century... But if it happens to be whatever quarterback it is, you put pressure on them, you're going to be able to have opportunities on the defensive side. So that injury could wind up looming large, but I still like the Colts here. I think the Colts are top to bottom the better football team, especially now given the whole Pittsburgh situation with James Conner, who I think sprained his AC joint late in that game last night so I mean his availability for this week will probably be nil even if it's a minor sprain I think that's probably a couple of weeks so I like the Colts here I think it's a good spot for them let's take Indianapolis on the road in Pittsburgh to beat the Steelers on the line, Steelers are only a single point dog at home. Since we like the Colts to win, it's about the smallest possible price to pay. So let's take Indianapolis laying the single point. 
Total in the game set at 43 and a half. I think this thing has a chance to push 40, but I don't necessarily know that it goes over. I've got it at a mid to high 30. So for the third straight game, we're going to stick under. Let's go under 43 and a half points in Indianapolis, Pittsburgh. Let's go Colts 20, Steelers 17. Every now and then I got to kind of stand up and walk around and stretch a little bit and shoulders are really starting to clamp up. Anyways, let's go to Carolina now. Panthers going to play host to the Tennessee Titans who, speaking of injury concerns, have a little one of their own. The Titans 4-4 four and four on the season and they are at the bottom of that AFC South division, but they have won two straight games including a 27-23 victory at home against Tampa Bay last week. Panthers are, of course, coming off getting smoked in San Francisco to the tune of 51-13. to I had the Panthers upsetting the Niners in that game, and I feel kind of dumb about it now. This is a matchup of two bottom 10 total offenses. Uh, Tennessee at number 27 in the league, and Carolina only at number 23. So despite Carolina having like the ultimate playmaker in Christian McCaffrey this season, they're still only the number 23 total offense. So they're not getting a whole hell of a lot anywhere else. The Titans have a bottom 10 scoring offense. They're only number 26 in terms of average points, but they do have a top 10 total defense at number nine. So Carolina will struggle to move the football comparatively more than Tennessee will. As I mentioned, a little bit of an injury concern on the Titans side. Left guard Roger Saffold is in concussion protocol after suffering a concussion last week. His status for this game is uncertain, which could mean good things for that Panthers pass rush. You know, I can't really explain it much beyond. I just kind of have a feeling about the Titans. I kind of feel like maybe they've turned a little bit of a corner on both sides of the football like that defense is good and it's gonna be good all season kind of feel like the offense is maybe clicking along a little bit better now again back-to-back wins I kind of like the Titans here I certainly was not impressed by what I saw by the Panthers last week and granted that's probably a one-off and Kyle Allen has been you know relatively good and they've got the best player on the field on either side kind of like when we were talking about Houston but I just have a feeling about this Titans team. It's an upset, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the Titans on the road in Carolina to upset the Panthers. On the line, Panthers are laying three and a half points as the home favorite. Obviously, like Tennessee to win, so I'm going to take those three and a half points. I think you hedge there one way or the other. It's not a great hedge because it's only three and a half points, but I think this is a tight football game, a low-scoring football game. Spoilers, we're going for our fourth straight under in this one. So in a situation like that, I really think hedging is the right thing to do here. So whether you like Tennessee to win or not, I think the Titans keep it close. Tennessee, plus three and a half. Total in the game set at 41. I've only got the game getting to like a high 30. I don't think it presses 40. So we're going to stay under on this one. Under 41 points in Tennessee, Carolina. And I'm going to be taking the same final score as I took in the previous game. Titans 20, Panthers 17. Let's go to Oakland now. Raiders playing host to the Detroit Lions. And for our third straight game, we got an injury to talk about. And this one is on the Oakland Raiders side of the field. Raiders currently sitting at three and four, losers of two straight games last week. Of course, dropping that decision, the three-point decision in Houston to the Texans. Lions got back on the happy side of things last week, a 31-26 victory at home against the New York Giants. That evens the Lions record at 3-3-1 on the season. And look, they're not out of it in terms of the wildcard conversation. Granted, it was against the Giants, but I was impressed to see the Lions put up 31 points in their first game without Carrion Johnson at the running back position. I think he's been the most stable running back that the Lions have had in, I don't know, a decade maybe. So it's unfortunate, obviously, that he had to go down, but they put up 31 points in the first game without him. And it looks like that offense, I mean, that looks like that offense is going to be all right. Granted, it was against the Giants. But I mean, Oakland is no cup of tea pun intended, on the defensive side either. They're the third worst pass defense in football, which is bad news going up against the Detroit Lions team with Matt Stafford that is a top five pass offense this season. I didn't think that that would be the case, but I looked at it today and I was like, holy crap, they're a top five pass offense. Oakland also a bottom 10 total defense overall, only ranking in at number 25 in the league. 
Now, in saying all that, this is going to be one of those games where the points are going to be plentiful because the Lions have the second worst total defense in the league. So Oakland's going to be able to move the ball. A little bit of a question mark as to whether they'll consistently finish, but uh, look, they're, they're certainly going to be able to move the ball. As I mentioned, slight injury concern for the Raiders. Starting center Rodney Hudson injuring his ankle. He left the game last week. His x-rays were negative, but it is some form of sprain. His status is uncertain. I would be surprised if we saw him in the next couple of weeks. So that could bode very well, not only for Detroit's pass rush, but their ability to stop the run. I mean, quite frankly, I think the Lions are going to be able to throw on them all day. I think Oakland kind of makes this a football game in garbage time, but I really like Detroit here. And once again, we're riding road teams. Like eventually the wheels are going to fall off of this, but we're going to keep going. The Lions, I like them in Oakland to beat the Raiders. On the line, Raiders are somehow two-point favorites in this game. I, I don't understand it. I guess maybe because the game's in Oakland. Who knows? But thank you very much for that. I like the Lions to win. I'm going to take those two points. Detroit plus two. Total in the game set at 50 and a half points. I've got this thing at a high 50, maybe even pushing 60 points. So I feel real good about taking the over here. Let's go over 50 and a half points in Oakland, Detroit. We are going to go Lions 32, Raiders 28. Let's go to Denver now for the battle of the underachieving or old or injured quarterbacks. A really interesting quarterback situation for both of these teams. Broncos playing host to the Cleveland Browns. Now, Cleveland coming into this game on the back end of back-to-back -back road games, they lost last week. Denver coming into this game without Joe Flacco. Nursing a neck injury, they're playing it safe with Flacco. He will not play in this game. The Browns at 2-5 and five have to be considered one of the uh, biggest letdowns of the early part of the NFL season. They've lost three straight games. Their offense is not playing well. The defense is not exactly playing the greatest either. So it's tough to win football games when at least one of those two things is not clicking. And with all that talent on the offensive side, you would expect that their offense would be better. Now, in saying all of that, today is the NFL trade deadline. So trades could literally break while I'm recording this episode. Cleveland could wind up doing something. But as it sits right now, I this doesn't strike me as a good football team. Now you could say the same about the Broncos, two and six, losers of two straight games. Um, but at the very least, their two wins have come against AFC opponents, so that's something to talk about. Broncos are a bottom 10 total offense at number 26 in the league, as well as the fifth worst scoring offense versus the Browns, who are a bottom 10 scoring offense at number 25. Basically, points will be at a premium in this football game, especially given the Broncos and their number four ranked total defense so far in the NFL. I think Denver's defense is the difference maker in this game. Like I mentioned, Joe Flacco, neck injury. He's not playing this week. Brandon Allen will be in at quarterback for the Denver Broncos. So um, get excited, I guess. Not a lot of thought to put into this one. I'm going to take the top five total defense that's playing at home. So let's take Denver at home to beat the Browns. On the line, Denver's a two and a half point dog at home, which I, another one that I do not understand in the least. But I will say thank you very much for those two and a half points. I will take them, Denver plus 2.5. Total in the game set at 40 and a half points. I don't have this game getting to 30, so I feel real good about telling you to take the under here. Let's go under 40 and a half points in Denver, Cleveland. I'm going to go Broncos 17, Cleveland 10. Let's go to Los Angeles now where the Chargers on the heels of firing offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt will play host to a Green Bay Packers team that is dealing with a little bit of injury issue. They're also on back-to-back -back road games and won last week but had a real impressive performance in Kansas City. Chargers finally played a team last week in Chicago that could out-goof them, and the Chargers held on to win that game 17-16. to And like I mentioned, Green Bay, 7-point victory in Kansas City, 31-24. to Aaron Rodgers looked good. Aaron Jones looked phenomenal. That two-headed monster that they've got now all of a sudden at running back with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Mwah. I love it. I love watching the Packers play football now. In fact, I'm going to throw it down right now. 
I think Matt LaFleur should be nominated for Coach of the Year. And this is a year that there's been a lot of really good coaching performances. Belichick, obviously. Kyle Shanahan, obviously. Sean McVay, obviously. Sean Payton, obviously. But I think Matt LaFleur, in his first year with a new team, doing what the Packers have done, especially in the last couple of weeks, I think is putting him firmly in that Coach of the Year conversation. For the Chargers, the time's got to be now. They're two games back of the Chiefs in the AFC West. They've got the Oakland Raiders in front of them. Denver is only a game behind them. If the Chargers are going to make a move, it's got to start very, very soon. Like I mentioned, they're scoring exactly the same number of points that they're allowing on the season. That offense has got to play better. And again, that leads to Ken Wisenhunt being relieved of his duties during Monday Night Football last night. Wisenhunt spending, I think, a little more than three years with the Bolts. The Chargers have the fifth worst run offense in football, but the Packers have a bottom 10 run defense at just number 24. So the Chargers should have the opportunity here if they want to run the ball 20, 25 times. This is an opportunity against the Packers run defense that has some figuring out to do. Packers are rolling out a top 10 scoring offense on the season at number seven, certainly being opportunistic with relatively small yardage against a Chargers top 10 scoring defense at just number 10. So that's an that's an intriguing matchup here. A Chargers defense that hasn't given up a ton of points against Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Of injury note for the Packers, right tackle Brian Bulaga injured his hand in that game last week. He left the game. His status is uncertain, but we've seen plenty of offensive linemen play the next week after a hand injury wearing that big club thing. So I would expect to see Brian Bulaga in this game unless it's something more significant than what we've seen. Look, any way you slice it, when you fire a coach or a coordinator, the next game after that, they don't tend to be good football games. And I don't think we're going to see a good football game from the Los Angeles Chargers this week. This is the most snake-bitten team in the NFL right now. And I look, I think Green Bay is a better team. I think Green Bay goes in and gets the job done, even though they're on the tail end of back-to-back -back roadies and won last week. We are going to take the Green Bay Packers in Los Angeles to beat the Chargers. On the line, Chargers are three-point dogs at home. We like the Packers to win. It's a fairly small price to pay. We're going to lay those three points, take the Packers minus three. Total in the game set at 46.5 points. I've only got this game at a high 30, like a mid to high 30. I don't think it pushes 40, so I feel pretty good about telling you to take the under in this one. We're going to stay under 46.5 points in Green Bay, Los Angeles. We are going to take Packers 21, Chargers 17. And the last game we're going to look at before we get into the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for a, what's been a weird episode in week nine. I've, I've been very off because of this whole shoulder thing. The Baltimore Ravens at home playing host to the New England Patriots. Baltimore coming into the game off of their bye week will be very well rested, hopefully well prepared. A battle of AFC East and AFC North leading teams. Patriots unbeaten at 8-0 right now. And the defense has only allowed like less than 10 points a game. It's, it's incredible what that Patriots defense has done against, admittedly, weak competition. The Baltimore Ravens, their offense almost as good. 214 points in seven games. And the defense giving up a little, you know, a little over 20, but it's really not that crazy. Baltimore at 5-2. and two. This is the game of the season, I think, so far. This is a battle of the two best scoring offenses in the NFL. This is a battle of the number two total offense in the Baltimore Ravens going up against the number two total defense of the New England Patriots. This is the best offense head and shoulders that the Patriots have faced this season. This is the game where we find out if the Patriots are for real. You know, I was going to sit here and give you the reasons why I think the Patriots are going to win this football game. And as I was about to start talking, I'm like, do you believe this? Like, do you really believe this personally? Or is this just something that you're saying? Because there's a significant difference between those two things. You know what? I don't. You know what I do believe in? I believe in Lamar Jackson. I believe in the Baltimore Ravens. I think Baltimore wins this football game. That's the way I'm going to go with it. 
The heck with it. The heck with what the numbers say. We know how stilted the numbers are because New England hasn't played anybody. This is the only team, actual team, like football team, that they've played this season, basically. The Baltimore Ravens are going to win this football game. I'm taking Baltimore at home, upset of the season. Ravens beat the Patriots. On the line, the Ravens are three and a half point dogs at home, which is completely understandable and completely justified from a Vegas perspective setting this line. I like Baltimore to win, so I'm going to take those three and a half points. And if this number climbs anymore, which somehow I get the sneaking suspicion that it might, if it climbs to four, four and a half, I think you should grab it as a hedge because I think this is going to be a close game one way or the other. Total in the game set at 45 points. I've got it capped at a high 40, maybe pushing 50. So it's not, it's, you know, got to be a little bit of a sweat, but I do think it goes over. So we're going to go over 45 points. In Baltimore, New England, we are going to take Ravens 25, Patriots 24. Could be a Justin Tucker field goal right at the last minute, but I like the Ravens to win this game. All right, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week nine of the 2019 NFL season. We'll start at the bottom, as always, with the bronze pick, where I am three and five straight up, one and seven against the spread, and two and six on my totals. This game sees the Seattle Seahawks at home playing host to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Bucks on the back half of back-to-back road games, coming off of a loss last week. Bucks dropped a four-point decision in Tennessee to the Titans, who, as we mentioned, have won two games in a row. Seattle goes into Atlanta in Atlanta's first game without Matt Ryan and picked up a seven-point victory, 27-20 over the Falcons. Stuff has kind of fallen off the rails here for the Bucks. Losers of three straight games after being, you know, two and two through the first four and competitive. The offense playing really well. It's the defense that's the Achilles heel for Tampa Bay. And against a Seattle team that is scoring a lot of points. Well, basically, I think this game is going to be a high scoring game anyway. But man, that that if the Bucks could just get a defense, I think they'd be fine. I think they'd be competitive in the wildcard race. But instead, they're two and five. Like I mentioned, this is a battle of two really good offenses. Seattle's a top 10 total offense at number nine, where the Bucks are the number five scoring offense in football. So expect lots of points. I just don't see Tampa Bay going into the 12th man, going into Seattle and beating the Seahawks. So we're going to take Seattle at home to beat the Bucks. On the line, though, Seattle's a six and a half point favorite, and that I think is just too many for me. This is a bit of a hedge, but the Seahawks are 0 3 against the spread at home. They have not covered against the spread at home yet this season, and where this is almost a full touchdown, it just feels like a very trappy number to me. So I'm going to hedge my bets basically on the Tampa Bay offense and take the Bucks plus the six and a half points. Total in the game set at 52, and I think that's our highest total of the week. Yes, in fact, it is. I still think the game goes to a high 50, so I still feel like even though it's the highest total of the week, I think it goes over. We're going to go over 52 points in Tampa Bay, Seattle. Let's go Seahawks 31, Bucks 27. Seahawks straight up, but we're hedging our bets and taking the Bucks plus 6.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 52 points. That is the bronze pick. My silver pick, which has been my most successful pick on the season so far, six and two straight up and even money four and four, both against the spread and over under, sees the New York Giants playing host to the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas comes into this game off of their bye. It's a division matchup, which I do feel a little squirrely putting this high in the picks, but I feel really confident about one of these teams. Dallas won the last time out heading into their bye week, which put their record to four and three. They are currently leading the way in the NFC East. However, the Eagles are right there at four and four. So it's always a little bit of extra motivation when you feel a team like that breathing right down your neck. It makes you want to win that much more. And Dallas facing a New York Giants team that has lost four straight games. I don't think, oh, they do have a division win. They have won a division game, so I can at least say that. They have won a division game, but at 2-6 and and a defense that's playing really, really poorly, I think defense is what winds up being the difference in this game because the two offenses, I mean, when Saquon's rolling, the two offenses are at least a little bit comparable. 
But again, this is the real difference here. The Cowboys are the number one total offense in football. They're also a top 10 scoring offense at number six. The Giants, the fifth worst total defense in the NFL this season. Cowboys have won five straight head-to-head matchups and covered all five of them against the spread. This head-to-head matchup has also had two straight games go over after five consecutive unders in and around this number. I think you got to like the Cowboys here. They're head and shoulders to me, the better football team, especially on the defensive side. Even though the game's in New York, let's grab Dallas here. Cowboys beat the Giants. On the line, originally Dallas was only a three-point favorite on the road. That number climbed overnight from minus three to minus seven and a half. So I'm grabbing it while I can because I still think that's a relatively... Uh, justified reflection of the difference between these two teams so I'm going to go ahead and grab that let's grab Dallas minus seven and a half at New York total in the game set at 48 points I've got this capped at a mid 50 so I think it definitely goes over on this number we're going to go over 48 points in Dallas New York we're going to go Cowboys 38 Giants 16 Cowboys win. We're going to hammer the Cowboys minus seven and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 48 points. That is your silver pick. My gold pick where I'm seven and one straight up, but only one and seven against the spread. Brutal. And four and four on the total sees the Buffalo Bills playing host to the Washington Redskins. Now, good and bad for Washington. They're coming into this game on the long week, so they had the extra couple of days of preparation. However, it is still back-to-back road games for them, the tail end of back-to-back road games, coming off of that loss against Minnesota last week. Both of these teams, in fact, coming into this game off of losses that were relatively non-competitive. I mean, Washington only lost by 10, but I mean, Buffalo got blown out in their own building by, you know, I think a little bit of an underrated Philadelphia Eagles team. Well, they ain't playing the Philadelphia Eagles this week. They're playing the Washington Redskins, who I do not believe will be able to move the ball on this Bills defense. I'm willing to call that Bills game a one-off. Hopefully they don't do it again, but I'm willing to call that a one-off. The Redskins have the third worst total offense, the third worst scoring offense, and they're going up against a Bills team that is top five in total defense on the season at number three. Now, the Bills haven't exactly been moving the ball very well or putting up a ton of points. They're only the number 24 scoring offense in the NFL. But Washington is a bottom 10 total defense. They're only at number 26. Buffalo will be able to move the ball on the ground and through the air i was happy to see them get devin singletary involved in the pass game last week he had a receiving touchdown i believe i want to see more of that from buffalo in a game where they should be able to do basically whatever they want and showcase whatever skill set they want to showcase i'm on the buffalo bills heavy in this game let's take buffalo at home to beat washington on the line the bills are nine and a half point favorites ay 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 Okay, this is a coin flip, and it feels bad to do it, (laughs) but I'm going to lay those nine and a half points. Don't get me wrong, the offense for the Bills does not justify being a nine and a half point favorite, but the defense against the Washington Redskins does. I could easily see Washington not finding the end zone in this game. If they don't, if they only have like a couple of field goals or maybe even one, Buffalo only has to get to two touchdowns. So I think they're capable of doing that. So I've got to lay those points. We're going to lay the nine and a half on Buffalo as the home favorite. Bills minus 9.5. Totaling the game set at 37 points. And I think it stays under. I've only got this thing at like a mid 20. I don't think it touches 30. So we got to stay under 37 points in Buffalo, Washington. We're going to take Bills 23. Skins... I think I'm only going to go three points. 23-3 to for Buffalo. Bills win straight up. We're going to hammer the Bills minus nine and a half against the spread and feel gross while doing it, but whatever. In a game that stays under 37 points, that is your gold pick and your platinum pick where I am seven and one straight up, three and five against the spread and only one and seven on the totals, sees the Arizona Cardinals at home playing host to the 49ers. 
Now, the Niners come into this game with a bit of a question mark on the injury side. Matt Breda at the running back position injured his ankle last week. According to him, he could have played if that game wasn't a blowout at the time that it happened. So he says he could have gone back out there. But with San Francisco undefeated, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they sat Matt Breda in this game. I think... I think he should be looked at as very questionable for this game coming up. Because, I, I, I mean, it's against Arizona. Like, it's it's not a hugely competitive football game, I don't think. you got San Francisco's top 10 total offense at number 6 and number 3 scoring offense in the NFL going up against the 4th worst total defense in the Arizona Cardinals. And the Niners are also sporting the number 1 total defense in in football to this point in the year it is going to be a long day at the office for kyler murray and the arizona cardinals obviously we are on san francisco here in a big bad way even though arizona has won eight straight you're hearing that properly arizona has won eight straight head-to-head matchups against san francisco and they've also covered the last three against the spread. To me, it does not matter. This is a different 49ers team. We are going to take the 49ers in a big bad way in Arizona. On the line, San Francisco also laying nine and a half points as the favorite, although this time on the road, as far as I'm concerned, it's still justified. Double digits covers it, and I think that's what's going to happen. So we're going to lay those nine and a half points on San Francisco in Arizona. Total in the game set at 43 points. Originally, this was a 46, and I really, really, really had to think about it. But I've got this around a mid-40, so this is going to be a lean, a bit of a sweat. But let's go over 43 points in San Francisco, Arizona. I'm going to take the Niners 35, Cardinals 10. San Francisco straight up. We're going to hammer San Francisco minus nine and a half against the spread in a game that goes over 43 points. That is your platinum pick. There you go, folks. Thank you very much for struggling through with me while we did the picks for week nine in the NFL. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. Now, the comment of the week from the week eight video, I had a couple of interesting ones to choose from, but I think the comment of the week this week is going to have to go to my good friend and the guy who just destroyed me in fantasy this week, Gio Knows, Gio DeFranco, the prog father, and uh, his comment from the week eight video last week was, Martin, that being West Coast Martin, is the best year after year at picking up the straight up winners. I mean, this has pretty well shown itself to be proved true over the last uh, over the last few years. Martin is consistently one of the best. Uh, good luck this week in the fantasy matchups and with the picks. Well, the picks went well. Fantasy matchup, not so much. Hashtag LTTMM for let's take the man's money. Will Geo please take my comment of the week from the week eight episode? All right, folks, week nine is in the books once again. Thank you for struggling through it with me. Hopefully we will be better in week 10. Looking to incorporate a couple of new things into the episode next week, certainly in the research side of things. And hopefully what we will see happen is we will see that bear some better fruit. That's it for me, Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Thank you for watching the show. Thank you for listening to the show. We will see you again for Double Digits, week 10 already.